1: to the First Cut podcast here on CBS Sports. We've got Kyle Porter. He's uh, still out in the San Francisco area. We are joined by Sean Martin, pjtour.com, regular contributor and friend uh, of this podcast. Gentlemen, this is another major championship. You all have gotten to spend uh, on site together. What's the, you know, as as the crew as as the crew starts to to get back together and then break up again? I mean, do y'all do y'all sing like end of summer camp songs and kumbayas and have a ceremony? on your final dinner together or something
2: there's a lot of you know meaningful hugs uh, especially too because it varies greatly like when you'll see people again you know you might catch some people in three weeks the open championship you might not see some people for months you might not see some people till augusta so it's kind of like it's like a mini uh high school graduation every time we, we say goodbye yeah this is my i was telling sean this morning so we're playing
3: some golf out here today and this is my, la- I think this is my last golf travel day until the until Augusta next year. So like ten months, mm. with the, which is
1: which it, is weird. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, then we've also got the golf travel days of when uh, we'll just we'll just bring you back up to North Carolina for a, a big air quotes right now work trip. Right, Where we so we can go do more research uh, around We're the, the, uh, the the
2: the Raleigh Durham Amateur or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would
2: have said Wyndham Championship. That's in Chip's neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the window I mean, listen, I if it wasn't so close to the college football season, uh, I I would definitely join the the party that d- just sort of annually makes that uh, a big fun spectacle. It's a great event, um, but. Normally by that time I'm already memorizing the depth charts of uh, of the entire Mac conference just to get myself ready for uh, for the Maction coming up later. All right, so we've got a U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland. Kyle and I had a a great great late night chat. You should go back and listen to it if you if you haven't already. So I want to start probably with uh, one of the places where we 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 seem to look at brooks kepka sean in this u.s open effort and we seem to be awarding him a championship effort though he did not claim the championship why have we gotten so soft with these participation trophies with brooks kepka mm, i like that
2: uh, that's a good question I like wow that.
1: uh so i do think
2: you know brooks on the back nine i think he had some chances i mean gary woodland definitely won this. Uh, I mean, Brooks put some pressure on him. Brooks pulled within one shot, but he didn't, he, he missed a lot of drives to the right. And he, it didn't really seem like he, um, maybe put as much pressure on Gary as he could have. Gary never was out of the lead. Uh, you know, you thought after Brooks birdied four of the first five holes, you thought, I mean, I tweeted jokingly, like, has there ever been a 59 in the final round of the U S open? Uh, it looked like he was just coming to burn the house down. And then, you know, he didn't birdie six, which is kind of an unforgivable mistake, and he missed a short birdie putt at seven. And that was kind of the story the rest of the round, is really uh, he couldn't he couldn't put as much pressure as we thought. But at the same time, you know, it's a major 156 guys, and Brooks finished three shots ahead of third place. So sometimes, too, like even your best effort, uh, it gets beat. And, you know, Brooks hit the ball great again this week at the U.S. Open, and he just didn't make any putts in some too. That's just the <clears throat> the way the game goes. Did people take your uh, fifty-nine tweet seriously. Some people did, unfortunately.
1: Fortunately, Sad. no. That's great. I, I want to know that someone is taking that seriously. Keeps us all honest in the in the fake media. Uh, right, So what I saw from Brooks's little bit of time after the round on television was that he seemed to be pretty comfortable with his game, comfortable with wh- where everything is. Like he, we're gonna step back and, and you know I I very easily sort of put this in the envelope with Brooks's effort at the Masters this year, right? Where like yeah, he was there, but there were some mistakes um, coming down the stretch where the the opportunity to win probably moved out a little bit further than he, even he was going to be able to reach. And so, like I I look at Kepka and I feel like even though he didn't win this, we we should not change our expectations or our adjustments or our rating of Brooks Kepka if he shows up to a major championship I think we should probably still consider him the favorite.
3: Well, it, it is interesting because I, I think you bring up a good point. Like, if, if imagine if Brooks was Rory or Spieth, I, it feels like we would be looking back on his back nine and 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 saying, "Oh, well, mistake here, should have birdied here, missed putt here." And instead, with him, we're like, "Ah, he played pretty well. You know, he was pretty good. Like, he he gave it a he, it was good, great effort." And so I, I, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because
1: it's because he's won majors more recently, and Spieth yeah. hasn't in a while. I mean, Spieth actually, you know, with the Open Championship, you've got that, but with Rory too. Like we we keep trying to inch Rory and Spieth back to this, uh, this past form, and that's why I think that what we are seeing from Brooks here is a more of a continuation of his current form.
3: Yeah, and so maybe we just define like the the golf that was played by the because like by the guy who played it like based on who that was i mean it seems like we kind of do but he you know he did have opportunities and i don't you know i, don't, I just i don't know if it matters because again woodland's 13 under and but i don't know maybe he doesn't make that putt on 18 if he's up to one or what whatever um but i, I do think that we sort of view some of this golf especially on sunday through the lens of whoever it is who who just played it
2: and i do think too it's more Kudos to Gary Woodland because I think in a lot of situations where you have a guy trying to win his first major at a U.S. Open where, you know, missing fairways is so penal, and then you have Brooks kind of breathing down his neck, I think most times you could count on that guy coming back a little bit and, and falling back uh, into a, a tie for the lead or falling behind Brooks when he pulls within one, but Gary just didn't do that. He was... I mean, he was pretty flawless coming down the stretch. It didn't look like a guy who was trying to close out his first major. Sean, did you think that uh, Brooks should have hit – because I was standing there with him on 18,
3: and he pulls three wood, and I'm going like, wow, that's that's interesting to me. Did you
2: think he should have hit driver there? I don't know. It's such a tough angle that I feel like driver you might be – I mean, at one point too, I mean, your Brooks maybe go for broke, but that angle is so hard that uh, the incremental – gain an advantage of hitting driver isn't worth the risk uh because you're just having to push it so far up there and, and that angle is, is so awkward so I, I i usually defer to players in their decision making and i think i mean brooks knew he had to make four there and, and i think he just he did what he felt like he had to do to give himself his best opportunity
1: speaking of defer to players in their decision making sean what kind of inside gossip are you hearing about the boiling tensions in the Spieth-Greller relationship.
2: Wow. Uh, I thought we were going to go uh, Houston Rockets locker room for a second there. <laughs> um, you know, I think that, you know, someone asked Jordan about his relationship with Michael uh, after the second round, and and Jordan said kind of that's the just what makes our relationship work. And, and I kind of like, agree just from seeing them. Like, Jordan is a verbal processor, uh, and so he just needs to get it out. Uh, he kind of said that in, in the interview. He said that, You know, these are things I used to keep in my head. And now with Michael, I can get them out and just be done with them. And so I think that it works because I think Michael can take it and doesn't take it personally. So it doesn't stew for a few holes like Jordan just says it, gets it out, moves on. And then Michael hears it, uh, you know, and then just kind of moves on with it as well. And so I think it just helps them move on quicker from mistakes. I, I just I think that we do this thing with them where it's like. Uh,
3: then it's a fun narrative. Oh, speed's going to fire somebody. Won't this be great? You know, like, oh, there's, there's drama and like all this stuff. And it's like, maybe, but like, maybe it's just like standard operating procedure for like, just the way he like plays golf, you know, like that. And it, I think we talked about that Sunday on Sunday chip, but it just seems like this is the way it is. And it's not as big of a deal as it's not like he's like, cussing him out on national I, I don't know I just feel like it gets blown up into this thing that it's that it's just not and and I don't I don't think that any big changes are coming I don't know even in in kind of some of the people I've talked to though like people people do think a change is coming I don't know if it's you know coach or camp or caddy I, I who knows what it will be um but I just I, I'm not in on that take I think I think he's gonna keep grinding until he gets out of it and then we'll get to the other side of it and he'll start winning again. And it will be like – the story – the narrative will be like "See, Spieth believed in the people
2: around him. And it's just like – I don't know. It, it's a weird cycle. So Yeah, I think too the way Jordan just even talks to himself on the golf course, it would be like, oh, Jordan's going to fire himself. Like listen to <laughs> the way he's talking to himself. Like Jordan just needs to kind of process that. Um, yeah, that's well, my take. Well,
1: before I wander into these waters without some information, I mean – the like how long does your average player caddy relationship last
2: i mean this is a longer one i mean this is so he turned pro in 2013 uh michael was a, a school teacher took a one-year leave of absence uh to go for this kid coming out of college and then luckily that panned out so he would not have to return to his day job so but it's been uh you know we're going on six and a half years now which that's that is pretty lengthy i mean Ricky and, and Scovern have been together since uh, Ricky turned pro in, in 2009. Um, those are, you know, those are probably a couple of your longest, high-profile uh, caddy-player relationships right now among the elite. JT and Jimmy. Yeah. DJ I, AJ. JT had a different guy when he first came out, but yeah, so they're up there, definitely. About probably going on five years or so, four and or I, five years.
1: I think that's where I'm coming from because you know to be introduced to Spieth uh, in the beginning of his professional career. We were also introduced to Greller, right? Like yeah. wasn't that almost part of the selling point? I mean, he he has a celebrity status as much as you could attain as a caddy on the professional tour and like to me it just feels like there's some inevitability. Most player caddy relationships are not going to last forever. This is one of the most high profile ones and you know, whether this is this might be part of you know Speith's play, or this might just be like, look, you can you can only be part of this travel team and have that kind of intimate relationship and that kind of intense relationship for so long. I thought Porath did a good job of writing it, with giving a little bit of color. He talked about um, you know the. Like Greller getting the support from the other caddy, the I love you man uh, coming off. And I, I was like, oh, wow. So you know, we obviously know that Greller appears to be well-liked among that community. And I think that Michael Greller, like if there is a split coming and it might not be soon, it might be in three years, might be in five years, sure sounds like he's done enough at least with himself on the PGA Tour that he would probably... Uh, like a lot of caddies that we do know their names or the few caddies that we do know their names probably gonna go link up with another star and uh, then it'll just be another chapter of their professional life Matthew wolf oh my goodness yeah let's go
2: absolutely <laughs> I think Jordan I think Jordan likes consistency he's had the same swing coach since he was I think 13 or 14 he's had the same caddy the whole time he was out there like I think he likes the consistency and and I know that you know like Look, it uh, goes badly in baseball, and the manager's the first guy to get the can because you can't fire the players. Uh, and Jordan can't fire himself right now, but I do think that he likes the consistency. And I think that in the middle of this like tumultuous time, I think that uh, he would he he would rather have consistency around him than trying to adjust to something new.
1: Um, all right, for. So Jordan Spieth, seventy-six on Sunday, sort of like un- unravels just a little bit. I found more frustration or disappointment looking at the case of Dustin Johnson, and I don't think that I've been able to to really put my finger or diagnose why. It, you know, why this seemed to duck expectations. I mean it was Kyle's pick to win and we were sort of just like dialed into this idea that Dustin at Pebble and you know he's he's gonna be right there in the mix. He's got a really, really high floor, but it he this championship got away from him. So like Sean first, like what what do you think happened with DJ?
2: Putting, look at his pull up his putting. Yeah. We're looking at his stats right now. He was seventy oh, eighth in Stroke game putting out of these seventy nine players to uh to make the cut negative six strokes so if he puts average which is not asking too much out of dj he he's like no, he's just he, 500 and he's kind of in the mix that definitely
3: yeah he, he's like a top 15 putter on the PGA Tour right now it, it, it's disappointing shit because he tied brandon Wu, who's a junior at stanford and played with him in the final round it's like what are we doing here uh, like, brandon Wu is a stanford graduate <clears throat> senior at stanford sorry um <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's the kid that said... Uh,
1: he wants to be walking down the 18th fairway in his cap and gown. <laughs> and he did. He made the cut.
3: Good for him. Uh, Sean joked yesterday, sh- joked to Andy yesterday that he's the new big woo-woo, replacing Siwoo Kim. <laughs> uh, which
2: is great. Yeah, I, I don't know. You, you can do DJ if you want. And also, I mean, he got to four under in the third round. He just kind of... You know, he had a chance there if he could have stepped on it a little bit. But, I mean, playing the first seven holes at Pebble and three over is – it's kind of like what happened with Tiger. I mean, those are holes – I mean, Brooks played those in four under and probably easily could have played them in six under. I mean, those were birdie opportunities that, you know, he had a, a chance and just didn't really seize it. And at the end of the day, when you're putting like that, you
3: I mean, you can't. One of, one of my favorite images of the tournament was the, the Fox drone just hovering out over the Pacific with, uh, with A.J. – Uh, his brother, his caddy, just traipsing up the cliff off number four on, was that on, that was on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess we're, uh, guess we're doing this again. DJ on the front nine at, at Pebble on a Sunday at, at uh, the U S open. So yeah, he just, I don't know, man. I, I just thought T35 was super disappointing.
2: My favorite thing going to the drones real quick was the seagulls, uh, attacking the drone because they thought it was a threatening animal.
1: They are a threatening animal. Good on you, seagulls. These <laughs> drones are littering up the sky. Nature, Dude, a,
3: nature, strike back. There was a lot going on on. Um, yeah, the blimp. Yeah, the drones. So Sunday, I'm on seven watching Brooks, and you've got you've got the blimp way too low, way too loud. Uh, the drones. You've got animals. You've got paddle boarders. You've got a, a guy. Flying a an airplane that has a sign for Bubba's Burgers might have actually been Bubba Watson, considering <laughs> he missed the cut. Uh, there was just there was things were happening and very quickly. And I mean, seriously, like with all that stuff going on, it's I, I think it's actually legitimately somewhat hard to focus as like the leader of the of a tournament like that. Because look, that stuff. No offense to you know. Abraham answer, but that's that stuff is not happening whenever he's playing the seventh hole at Pebble Beach, and it is when Brooks is playing it, when Woodland's playing it. It it, it it's legitimately harder to focus, I think, and uh, I don't know. I, we don't really talk about that when we talk about golf tournaments, but I think that's a you know I don't know that those guys would say that, but I think it's a real factor, like when when they're trying to focus in on a, on a given hole.
1: Well, that's what we're asking from our champions, right? Of a mental game to be able to maintain focus in we conditions start, where no one else
3: would. Aerial attacking them with blimps and drones. Yeah, is this <laughs> what, course, is this what we want golf to be?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the,
3: US, the USGA is sending drones after you now.
1: Um, one one last thing on Dustin Johnson. I don't I don't know if uh, if you saw anyone comment on this, but truly the moments of high comedy on Sunday night. We're twice on the back nine out of nowhere. The coverage goes from this thrilling, you know, Woodland and Kepka and all this movement on the leaderboard. And people are trying to get to 10 under and they're trying to go low. And then we just rip away from all of that to show Dustin Johnson at plus one trying to make a birdie and it's a miss. And then they (laughs) go back again. DJ at 17. And he comes up short again. Like, we just kept breaking away from the contention of the U.S. Open to watch Dustin Johnson, like, nine strokes back, missing birdie putts. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, On the other
0: side, uh, more takeaways from the men on the scene. Next. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution? all right, so what are, like, what, do, Sh- Sean, what else is on your, like,
1: call sheet? Who, who who are you starting to feel spicy about right now as you're starting to, to review uh, your experience at the U.S. Open? Xander? Uh, I
2: mean, Xander, top six finishes now in four of his last six. It's kind of like Brooks Light in that he just doesn't have a win there yet, but you're kind of seeing, I mean, this is what Brooks did for years, starting really in 2014 with the U S open, he finished fourth kind of when people didn't quite know who he was. He still was over in Europe, uh, or he just, he was consistently contending, finishing top 20 in majors. Then he was on this run and Xander's kind of doing the same thing of just, he's putting himself there. He's putting himself in position. And so you'd have to think one is, uh, is coming his way. Uh, maybe not sooner than later, just cause they are so hard to win, but eventually,
1: I mean, it's a without a doubt for Xander Shoffley. I mean, that's the, like, you You look here and the the volatility makes it really, really fun uh, in terms of just sort of, like, his playing style and the way that this can go. I mean, he was um, not particularly accurate off the tee. He was not among the, you know, top 20 and hitting greens and regulation. Like, there was nothing that was, like, statistically excellent from my uh from my site right now, but yet he finishes near the top of the leaderboard. I mean that's is isn't that the book on him right now? Is that he's he's really, really good. There's no one place where you would say that he is number one among the field or among the competition in this aspect of his game, but we keep looking up and I don't know, he's got the fourth best score in the tournament. Well I think I mean it's pretty that's
2: it's that's the way it goes with Xander, I think, because we love to be able to pin something on a guy, right? Like, oh, Jordan yeah. speed a- amazing putter, a great iron player. DJ hits it so far, you know. You love to just—we all love these like one-sentence descriptors of a guy, like, oh, he's the, you know, basketball player guy, or he's the, you know, whatever guy. And and so I think we love that descriptor, and you don't really have one for Xander because, like you said, kind of nothing stands out. He just does everything pretty well. I mean, the guy's won twice this year. Uh, he's finished third and second at a major this year and yet i mean outside of us three i mean i don't hear a ton of people just hammering uh xander Shoffley takes
1: i've i've continued to just light uh dollars on fire with xander (laughs) Shoffley to win a major odds and i'm gonna keep doing it until it cashes and i'll probably break even
3: by the way i'm looking at kepka's um we were just talking about like top like high finishes. So since since Spieth won the U.S. Open at Chambers in 15, Brooks has played in 15 majors, and he finished in the top uh, 13 in 13 of them.
1: <laughs> Is there at least one missed cut there, or are they all made cuts?
3: All made cuts. Uh, one T21, one T39, everything else inside the top 13.
2: Gracious. Justin Ray had a great stat that it's Tiger, Jack, and Brooks are the only guys to finish uh, first or second in four consecutive majors.
1: But, you know, Gary Woodland's actually more scared of Xander than he is of Brooks. We saw that when Xander chased him down in Hawaii. (laughs) He He mentioned that. He
2: talked about that.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because,
2: I mean, that's the thing with Gary. He was 0 for 7 with 54 hole leads on the PGA Tour. And the last one was at Kapalua, and he's like, look, you know, there were a couple in there where he shot over par on Sunday and he just didn't seize the opportunity. Capalua was like, look, I had the lead. I shot 500 par and I just got blitzed. And so sometimes you just can't do anything about it. But I mean, for a guy who was over seven with a 54 hole lead, uh, like I said before, when he didn't look like a guy who was chasing his first major, he didn't look like, like a guy who had never converted a 54 hole lead
1: before. What about, all right. So Woodland moving, moving forward. What's the, like, yeah. like how, how do you, um, how, how do you look at him differently? Do you look at him differently?
2: I think it's a progression. I think he had a really good quote in his Sunday press conference where he was asked about just, you know, did he feel like he was behind uh, his fellow competitors on the PGA Tour because he would played basketball? Uh, and he said, you know, I always felt like I was behind on a golf standpoint because I didn't devote myself just to golf. Uh, in high school and even my first year of college, but I never felt like I was behind them in competitiveness because he is a very competitive guy. And there were a lot of great stories about, you know, how he played through a broken finger. He took a charge uh, and got a collapsed trachea. And then four days later, put up 20 in a basketball game. So um, he does have that toughness. We need of our champions. And I do think, I mean, he's 35, so he's not young by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I say that as a 36 year old. Um, And but he is a work in progress, and I think we're starting to see that. So he talked a lot about, you know, the short game work with Pete Cowan. Like, that was the missing part. Um, you know, I talked to Matt Kucher because he's good friends with Gary. Uh, and he said, you know, Gary used to be easy money in practice rounds, and that's not the case anymore because his short game used to be a liability. And, I mean, we saw that chip on 17. If That's pretty – Insane to do that. Jeff Ogilvy was talking to Andy at the Fried Egg this week and said, if you can chip it off tight surfaces like putting greens, like your short game is tidy and you're in a, in a good spot. And so I think that uh, we're finally seeing the well rounded physical tools to complement that just raw athleticism. And, you know, he's now won in two consecutive seasons. Even before this year, he was in the top 10 in the FedEx Cup. He had two runners up and like five other top 10s. He was having a good, consistent season. So I think, um, being healthy and having that well-rounded game and then having obviously the physical attributes. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say Gary Woodland's going to win five majors in 20 times, but I think that, you know, we're going to see him be a consistent, uh, you know, win most years for the next five, 10 years and pick up a win here and there. And I think we'll see more, more of him. I think here, here's my thing, Chip. So he's played in 245 tour events
3: over the last 10 years that I believe is fewer than Ricky Fowler. I think Fowler's around like two fifty-five or something like that. And, and I don't. I think if like let's say Fowler won this U.S. Open at Pebble, I think we would say. I think we would do the whole like, oh, is the floodgates? Could be the floodgates, you know? Uh huh. But, but with Woodland, maybe because he's older, maybe because he's less known, maybe because he's not uh, as as marketable or prominent or whatever. We we sort of write it up to like a one-off thing uh when i i don't know that it is i mean he's an he's an unbelievable ball striker he's a top what would you say sean 12 8 10 15 ball striker on tour yeah i try to group
2: guys in 12s i would say top 12 (laughs) of course why yeah why do you do 12 Uh, you said it i was just responding to that Uh, thanks
3: uh so yeah i i just you know He's the type of guy, and I think I said this on Sunday, like Hideki, like,
2: um, I don't know. Mm, Now you're speaking my language. Well, who's somebody else who's a great ball striker, bad putter? Well, so here's Woodland's stats this year. Uh, 12th in strokes gained off the tee, 17th in strokes gained approach, so in the top 20 of both of those. And it's a short list of guys who uh, are in the top 20 in both. And then 120th in strokes gained putting. And so what you're looking at here, you're looking at a long hitter who hits the ball well. And so he's going to give himself a lot of opportunities uh, for birdie and a lot of opportunities to play well, just because when you're hitting it that long and having short irons in, that's going to be the case. So what it is, is it's just going to be putter dependent. You know, he'll have weeks where when the putter's hot with his ball striking being so consistent, he'll win and then he'll just have a lot of middling finishes. But I'd rather have a guy who's a good ball striker and a bad putter than a bad ball striker and a, and a great putter because the, the first one's going to have a lot more chances to win. Yeah, kind of Adam Adam Scotty. Yeah, it's easy. It's easier to ride a hot putter for a week than it is to. Uh, you can do that. You can't just all of a sudden for one week become an amazing ball striker. Yeah. So all that to say, like I think he will
3: be. I mean, he's got three top tens in his last what four majors now, five. Yeah, two so, PGAs and then this, something like that. And I think he will be a. Content. I don't know if he'll win another one, but I think he'll at least be a contender at a few more over the next five or six years.
1: So he's American Adam Scott.
3: Yeah, he's not as good looking, but. Uh, Says uh, who? Yeah.
1: Man, come on. That's some big 12 hate right there.
3: <laughs> People were doing the rock chalk thing up uh, 18. It was kind of cool. Uh-huh. Like the thing they do at the end of basketball games, the like where it gets really quiet and then they, they do like the, the chant or whatever. Yeah.
1: The slow, the really slow chant, the really slow yeah. rock chalk.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, trying, to, trying to convince Urban Meyer to take over for Wes Miles.
1: Uh, wasn't Urban Meyer rolling with Kepka?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Poor ass said he was scouting linebackers
1: <laughs> for USC. <laughs> Just yeah, trying exactly. to get ready. Um, all right. So what about Justin Rose? 74 on Sunday. Is that a result of the, like, what we always say that this, uh, it's not sustainable? You know, like, he, he was just the unsustainable putting on Thursday, then all of a yeah. sudden the ball striking gets a little bit better, but putting gets a little bit shakier than on, on Saturday, shoots, you know, 68, but then is, is that just a matter of everything just kind of fell apart down the stretch?
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that he was even in contention is pretty amazing. He was not swinging it well. He was not hitting it well. And so it's testament to his short game and just kind of the well-rounded game that he's developed in the last few years. The short game and putting has improved a lot in the last couple years. So I think for him to even kind of be in contention and have a chance was a bonus. And then it finally did just uh, catch up with him on Sunday. I mean, I kept saying every day we would ride to the course on the media bus and anybody
3: who would listen to me, I kept saying – Justin Rhodes is going to shoot a 75 today. Justin Rose is going to shoot a 75 today. And then we get to Sunday, and I'm like, maybe he's not. Like, maybe he's just going to just piece this together all week. But I kept saying it, and finally he shoots a 74 on Sunday. And he's just – I mean, I watched him for a while on – when was that? Thir- I think Thursday. And you're just – no, I think it was Friday because he was a Spieth and Tiger. And I'm like, I don't – he's like – hitting shots thin and, like, he just was – it was sort of reminiscent of Spieth at page where you're like, there's no, like – the center of the club face is nowhere to be found. Like, he just was not hitting it very well, which is very, like, unlike Justin Rose. And, uh, yeah, his short game just kind of kept him in it until it, until it couldn't anymore.
1: Sean, do you have any uh, groundbreaking Tiger takes before we get out of here?
2: No. I don't. Rory? So, uh, I think you any Rory takes fewer Rory takes. I think I you mean know, Ryan Lavner spotted KT tape on uh, Tiger's neck and I think that you know, I think when you're a forty-three year old guy with four back surgeries, like you just have some good days and, and some bad days physically. And so I think I think it's rare I think it might be rare that we're gonna go a week where Tiger feels good for all four days and he's kind of firing on all cinder- cylinders for all four days just because that's the reality of, of kind of what he's been through. And, and so, you know, unfortunately we didn't get that 50-shot win we were all clamoring for, but I mean, that's the new Tigers. He's capable of winning majors, he's capable of winning tour events, but, you know, he has to have a week where his body uh, agrees with him and, and he's not just going to – it's not as easy as maybe he made a look at the Masters. Hey, Chip, we, uh, we buried the lead here. Chez?
0: Yeah.
2: Chez Revy? No, there's a new world amateur number one. Not for long.
3: Huh? Not for long. No, I'm saying there's about to be a new world amateur number. Oh, one. Oh right, yeah, yeah.
2: So Victor Hovland's number one. I think he was number one going into the U.S. Open. I think so. And then finished twelfth. By the way, such a this is like my Super Bowl. You got Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf uh, making their pro debuts. Colin Morikawa, uh, Justin, Sa. Justin, so Sa. very excited for the Travelers Championship. Uh,
3: so Victor Hovland's number one in the the world amateur golf ranking.
2: Matthew Wolf number two, and then your boy Takumi Kanaya mm. number three. Uh, shares the same alma mater as Hideki Matsuyama, Tohoku Fukushi University, which one of the best logos in golf. It's like this penguin with like a exposed head that's like a exposed scalp that's like a golf ball. Uh, it's it's something. Yeah, that sounds insane. But Tohoku Fukushi University is basically like the Oklahoma State of Japan. I've always said that actually.
1: You have always said that. That's crazy. Is that I mean you you guys are just two 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 peas in a pod right there. Yeah, we're
3: we're lockstep right here.
1: <laughs> uh do you, I mean no th- so no no Rory thoughts here, Sean? Man, I is I mean
2: like the the disparity between the two Sundays, right? I mean Canada, the guy, he I means lighting the nation of canada on fire <laughs> and then you know we get to pebble beach and it was. it just... they should have flown him back out for the raptors parade he should have just keep... worn the raptors jersey uh on the first tee on sunday i don't know but i mean you have a guy who shoots and I, I said this last time at canada like and i think you and kyle talked about it like when he's on he makes it look so easy so then when he's off it's just that much more disappointing because you're like dude it's so easy for you how can you not do this every week and it was pretty disappointing and it's so funny too because like the 61 on Sunday like wasn't fully unexpected we're like yeah he's very capable of doing that because he goes on these just heaters that are incredible but then also the 72 on Sunday at the U.S. Open like wasn't totally unexpected we're like yeah you know I mean sometimes he just kind of does this and, and he finished ninth at the U.S. Open and it looks fine on Wikipedia but like he never really had the chance.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's not just a seventy-two because there were many seventy-twos that were shot on at Pebble Beach on Sunday, but most of them didn't go like this. Six birdies, three bogeys, and two double bogeys.
2: Yeah, yeah. The double on two to start off was, and even the first hole was kind of shaky. Uh, and then he doubles two, and it, it was like an immediate ejection. And you're like, and again, I mean, like what Brooks did on those holes. I mean, he started, you know rory started today six under i mean you can play those in four or five under and and get into it
1: Mm. um all right well where are you guys playing today
2: uh pasa tiempo to quaint alistair mckenzie gem in, in santa cruz uh it's actually where he lived it was one of his favorite courses if not his favorite course he designed uh and then Kyle's flying out, and I'm just going to spend the afternoon playing the Olympic Club. Didn't uh, didn't Pasta Tempo like the idea of it lead to parts of Augusta National? Uh, no, it was Cyprus 1929 U.S. Amateur at Pebble Beach. Go. Here we We'll be here for another 30 minutes. Uh, Bobby Jones <laughs> lost early, and so he went over and played Cyprus as he would, uh, and then saw it and was so impressed. He's like, "I need to hire this guy for I th- I thought Augusta it was, National." I th- it wasn't Pasta. No, well, it was. Uh, he was friends with Marion Hollins, who was. Uh, they own pasta info uh was friends with bobby jones also so there's that connection too okay so anyway so we'll get e- if i got that wrong we'll get emails and we'll make correction on the next show <laughs> <laughs> who's who's getting strokes what's the game we do so, consistent we, two aside it gets pretty competitive yeah sean gives me two aside
3: yesterday it came down to like the this is great by the way i was talking about our golf yesterday it comes down to the 17th hole and yeah he's one up and uh, I'm playing pretty pretty poorly, and uh, I just pump one down the middle. Of this par five, hit it to like 30 feet, have that for eagle. And he, he, we're walking up. He's like all over the place. He goes, "You're gonna three put this," and I'm gonna I'm gonna put in from off the green uh, to beat you. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Hey, they say visualization is a big key to success in golf. It was uh, it was very disappointing, and then Andy hit a ball on eighteen with a persimmon driver, uh, which was spectacular. It's was, it was unbelievable. Good stuff. It's good stuff.
1: All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow him at PGA Tour S Martin. Gentlemen, enjoy the golf. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.